Lord, I want to see them find their joy and everything in Him. I didn't know how to lead them into.
<laughs> well, good morning. It's good to see everybody that's here this morning. Hope you've had a blessed week. Uh, let me just remind you of our social media platforms uh, that you can watch us on. If you're at home there, you can see us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, uh, at all of those different locations that you see there. Uh, you will notice if you see it online there, the uh, phone live streaming, that number has changed. Uh, if you would like that number uh, to give out to friends, uh, please call the church office. We'll be making some new cards for those of you who are in person here to hand to those. Everybody who was already subscribed to that is still subscribed will still get their phone call it'll just show a different number that it's coming from so just want to let you know that we're trying to control the number a little bit more uh, where we can control our cost a little bit more on the phone live streaming so I uh, just wanted to make you aware of that we do have a new phone number and we'll be glad to give that to you just call the church office uh, and we'll give you that number uh, let me also if you're at home encourage you to go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com it's under the info tab there that you can download the worship bulletin uh, for today. Uh, you can also download the children's worship bulletins there. Uh, you can download the prayer list as well as the newsletter. If you're here in person, all of these are in the windowsills over here. Our ushers will be glad to come in to give you one of these if you'd like. Uh, the children's ones, you can pick them up in the windowsill uh, right over here. So glad to have everybody who's here with us uh, this morning. Sorry our song got interrupted there, uh, but we're uh, glad to have you this morning. Brother Mike, come and lead us in a song. I guess some preachers you can let them handle electronics, but maybe some others. You, okay, I won't go there. Take your hymnals this morning. Turn to 64. Um, cast all your cares upon Him because He cares for you. Our song is "God Will Take Care of You." Ladies, join the choir. Y'all stand too. You later.
Amen. We're going to ask uh, if you did not get one of the cups with the bread, uh, if you'll just raise your hand as the deacons will go ahead and make their way forward uh, with the plates. And uh, if you need one, uh, they'll make sure to give you one. There's one on the back back there if you don't have it. All right. And As we partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, uh, I want to share with you from the scriptures from Paul uh, once again as he shares with us about the Lord's Supper. When he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you, this do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And so we want to spend just a moment before we uh, hand the, the, the cups to the deacons here to uh, spend some moment in prayer uh, examining our hearts before we partake of this supper. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for all the blessing that you have given us. Thank you for the relationship we have with Jesus Christ who came and sacrificed his body which is represented in the bread and shed his blood on the cross for the remission of our sins uh, that's represented in the cup. And so, Father, I pray that as we examine in our own hearts this morning, Lord, if there is any sin within our hearts, may you bring it out into the light that we might confess it. Uh, Father, if there is any uh, ungodly thoughts that we may have had, Father, I pray that you'll help us to confess those things before you also. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us and cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that as we partake of this supper, may we do it so in such a way uh, that is honoring of you and worthy uh, of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.
and if you will, peel the top layer off to expose the bread there as we partake of the bread. Matthew says in his gospel that as they were eating, Jesus took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Jason, would you bless the partaking of the bread? Amen. And as Jesus said, take, eat this bread, you do so in remembrance of me. And then if you'll peel the foil section back, that will expose the cup for you to drink. And Matthew also says that he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying... Drink of it, all of you, in remembrance of me. Brother Ken, will you bless the partaking of the cup? Drink this cup in remembrance of me. Verse 30 goes on to tell us in Matthew's gospel that when they left the house, they had sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives. We want to ask you, if you will, to stand all across the congregation. And we are going to sing, Bless Be the Tithe. Would you stand with us and sing? Well, this morning as we come to our time of our missionary uh, moment, and I left my bulletin down there, we have the Martins who we're highlighting on our video uh, today. You have a different uh, missionary that's in our bulletin. Uh, but we want to encourage you to still be praying about giving to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. All of those uh, different missionaries that we've highlighted are in here. Day five is Stephen and Cindy Martin. And so we want to share with you this brief video about their ministry uh, in Canada. So please watch. A lot of people think that the time of doing public evangelism has, is long past. And we, we recognize that's not something that's done regularly anymore, but we thought, well, why not? And that's actually how we started this church. 
that there's about 14,000 Latinos in the region of Niagara, and realizing that there really isn't a sort of established Latino church that preached the gospel biblically. Um, because I come from a Latin American background, I felt led, I felt called by God to, to take this missional step. When we started church planting, one of the things that we wanted to help our church or the culture of our church be is that, that we have a really tight community. Latino culture is very family oriented, but there are a lot of people who don't have their immediate family here or their extended family here. Niagara is home to a large number of migrant workers who leave their families uh, at home. And so we've been meeting uh, at this place in a, in a barn, actually, where we would share the gospel with them. We would go into God's word, we would learn what the gospel is and what Christ is asking them to do with their lives. And then afterwards, there's a game of soccer because you can't have community without a game of soccer. In this season of church planting, it has been a journey where you walk kind of blindsided in a sense, but then you're not alone because we have the support of other people. What you give, what you're really doing is you're giving tools into people's hands to sow the seed of the gospel so that their lives may be changed. We become their family and they become part of ours. And that is just one of our many, a lot of people think that that is just one of our many missionary families uh, that we want to continue to remind you to pray for. Pray about giving to this offering uh, as well as all of our North American missionaries. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for them. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for the Martins and the ministry that you've called them to. Uh, Lord, that so often we don't even think about uh, all the different ethnic groups that are even here across the United States, much less uh, in Canada. So, Father, we just pray that you will bless uh, their ministry there as well as all of our North American missionaries. Continue, God, to watch over each one of them, protect them, keep them safe. But Lord, I pray that you would continue to impress upon our hearts what we might give towards this offering to help us in reaching these goal, the goal that we have for this offering. Uh, Father, we just pray that you will bless us, that we might be a blessing uh, to others. So Lord, bless this service as we come to worship you this morning. We want to give everything to you. We ask for you to receive all the glory and all the honor as we uplift the name of Jesus. And may the name of Jesus continue to go forth here across North America. America and all around the world through our missionaries. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, again, it's good to see everybody that's here. Let me just remind you, if you are online there with us, uh, that you can uh, go online there to the website, hollabaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. Uh, and you can be able to do your online giving there. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, if you're in person, you can do that as well as you can give our offering. It's in the plates here or as you leave. Uh, you can put that in your envelope. And you can also designate uh, how much, what you want to go towards the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, let me also remind you there's just a very few books left. I saw some more got picked up this morning. Uh, so be sure to get one of these. Uh, if you need it for the series we're going through on Sunday mornings, The Illustrated Life of Jesus, it's free. Uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, we encourage you to pick up one of the bags on the side or, or whoever you're here with, if they would pick it up for you. If you want to invite someone to come and to join us in worship, I'd encourage you to pick up one of those bags and to share it with them. It's got some information about our church uh, and all of those ways they can watch us also. It's got some gifts uh, that we have for them, uh, but you can use it as a means to invite others uh, to come and to join us. And then we do still have uh, some of the Revelation uh, prophecy charts that are left, so if you need one of those, 
uh, see me. I've got a few here with me this morning. We'll have more on Wednesday night, uh, as well as we have just a few left of the numbers chart. So if you want any of those, uh, please see us to get those uh, today. But glad to have you here with us this morning. Hope you enjoyed the service this morning. Brother Mike, if you'll come to you. Well, this morning, again, we're going to sing out of a hymnal that you don't have in the congregation, out of the celebration hymnal. If you're online, or you guys out here, you're singing with the words that are on the screens. I hope it's one you've heard before, and if you've uh, grown up with Southern Gospel like some of us, you've probably heard this before. It's a Mosey Lister song, and it's uh, called Till the Storm Passes By. So join the choir as we sing all three verses of Till the Storm Passes By. Ladies. sound. 
song because I can see you singing it. Turn your hymnals now and join the choir and stand with us as we sing Rescue the Perishing. 559 in the green hymnals.
never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. stops working even when we don't see it he is always there and he is always faithful take your Bibles this morning if you will and turn to the gospel of Matthew Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18 down through verse 34 uh, the message this morning is entitled Jesus's authority over disaster over demons and even disciples uh, if you'll remember last week, we saw uh, that Jesus has authority over disease and that there is hope for the hopeless. And so we're going to just begin with uh, just this first verse in verse 18. So if you would, let's stand in honor of God's word as we read God's word. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for even a verse like this this morning. That when Jesus says, let's go to the other side, we know we're going to the other side. When Jesus makes a promise to us in his word, we can count on those promises. So speak to us through your word this morning. Lord, that if there are those who are here who don't know Christ as their Lord and their Savior, may today be that day that they would trust in him, that they would come to faith in Christ, uh, that they would believe in what he did for them upon the cross and his burial in the tomb and his resurrection from the grave on the third day. Father, I pray for many of us who are here and those who are watching even who are believers. Father, I pray that this message will be a message of encouragement 
to us. Help us to see the perspective of these verses uh, in the way that they, we should see them uh, in the light of the truth of your word this morning that sometimes ha have been misconstrued to us in ways. And so, Father, I pray that you'll speak to us to show us your authority over disease, over disaster, over demons, and even over us as your disciples, your followers. So bless this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. Since we're talking about authority here, authority is the power or the right to give orders, to make decisions, and to enforce obedience. That word is also synonymous with a person or an organization having power or control in a particular sphere. Uh, last week we saw, as I shared with you, uh, we saw that Jesus offers hope to the hopeless because he has power over disease. But this week we're going to look at those three areas uh, that you saw there in the title where he has authority over. Uh, understand this, whoever has control has the authority. And so I want you to see that Jesus is the one, though, who has the authority over everything. Uh, you know, mayors may have authority over cities. Governors may have authorities over states. Presidents may have authorities over a nation. Kings may have authority over a nation also. But Jesus Christ has authority over everything and everyone. And so notice this morning that Jesus' authority over his disciples sets the stage for these miracle stories that come in these next chapters. We've already seen some of these miracles in, in chapter 8 where he cleansed a leper, where he uh, healed the centurion's servant, uh, and then when he healed Simon Peter's uh, mother-in-law. Uh, in, in this part, in this portion uh, that we're looking at, we're going to come back to this part about the disciples uh, that is found here in verse uh, 14 uh, down through verse 17 and verse 18 and 22 there. Uh, and we're going to look at that part later at the end because I want you to see that all of that that's in the middle of these miracles sets the stage uh, for this passage. And, and so look at the next area that Jesus has authority over. We find it in verse 23. In verse 23 down through verse 27. It says, and when he got into the boat, so remember he had told him, uh, we're going to get in the boat, we're going to go to the other side. And it says, when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. And they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. Let me ask you, stop right there for just a moment. Have you ever felt that way in your life? I dare say most of us at some point have felt that way. If you haven't ever felt that way, you will feel that way someday. So understand this, this is applicable to us as, as the disciples are saying to him, Save us, Lord, we are perishing, verse 26. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O ye of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and poof, just like that, there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds... And seas obey him. 
So I want you to see first in this section that Jesus has authority over disaster. I want you to see the point of this story. In this brief miraculous account, we see that Jesus has authority over disaster. So, so often uh, when we look at this passage, uh, sometimes we ask, uh, we, we hear even preachers that will preach it this way, and, and I've even said it this way too, but uh, we say, what storms are you facing in your life? in your marriage, in your home, uh, in your health. And then we're reassured Jesus will calm those storms. But when you look at the text here and you look at the context of what's going on here, that's true that Jesus will calm the storms in our life. But the point is much deeper than that, uh, which becomes obvious when you begin to pay attention to the question that the disciples asked at the end of the story. Notice that question again is found there in verse 27. They said, what sort of man is this that even winds and seas obey him? The disciples, understand this, they were good Jewish men. And they knew that only God is able to direct the winds and the waves. Uh, Psalm 89 verse 9 says this, the rule, uh, You rule the raging of the sea. When its waves rise, you still them. So it had already been told to them in the psalmist there that God is the one who calms the sea. So now as they see this man Jesus speak these words and the sea calms, what do you get the picture of? He's God. Uh, he has to be God here fulfilling the scripture here. So likewise, you look at Psalm 107 verse 29. Here's what the psalmist says. He, he made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. And so Jesus' disciples marveled because they began to realize that this man in this boat with them was no ordinary man. He wasn't just an ordinary man. God himself was in the boat with them. And that's the point of this story. Jesus is God. And the authority that belongs to God is the authority that belongs to Jesus. That's important because of the second point we see, the promise of the story. Because you can make a promise to someone, but if you can't back up the promise, what good is the promise? So notice the promise in the story. So having seen the point of the story, we see the promise in the story. The promise is not that all the storms in your life will end soon. The Bible never guarantees that, uh, nor can anyone else. Uh, your cancer may not go away. The struggle in your marriage may not end this week. Your financial situations may not rectify themselves uh, even this year. Uh, as a believer, your confidence is not that these storms will end very soon. Our confidence is that in the midst of the storms in your life, you will never, ever be alone. That's the point that we see here and the promise. God himself in the very person of Jesus Christ will be with you every step of the way in the midst of any storm that you face in this life. That's a truth from this passage. And so faith is not confidence that trials won't come your way. Just because you've trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior doesn't mean that your life is, is now going to be a bed of roses. You know, roses have their thorns also. 
So often we want to look at the beauty of the roses, but they have their thorns. They have their difficulties also. And so faith isn't the confidence that the trials won't come your way. Faith is confidence that no matter what the winds do, no matter what the waves do, no matter what storm comes your way in this world, the God of this universe will be right there in the boat with you. His power and His presence will see you through. You're not alone. And ultimately, you are safe in the presence of the one who has the ultimate authority over all the natural things in this world, including even disaster. Secondly, I want you to see that Jesus not only has authority over disaster, Jesus also has authority over demons. That's the next miracle that we come to in verse 28 down through verse 34. And so we see that he has this authority over demons. <clears throat> Notice in this story, verse 28, it says, And when he came to the other side, so what did Jesus say uh, back, back in uh, verse 18? Back in verse 18, he gave orders to go to the other side. Well, they did come to the other side. Uh, they were in the boat, you remember, in the storm, worried about are we going to make it to the other side when the God of this universe was there in the boat with them. When you're going through the storm, you don't have to worry if you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior because he is with you even in the midst of the storm. And so now we read, they came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes. Two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now we're going to come back to that phrase in just a moment, before the time. It goes on to say in verse 30, Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. The demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed man. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. What a tragedy. In what Jesus had just been doing. He had healed a leper. He had healed a centurion's servant. He had healed Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, he had calmed a storm. And now he has just cast the demons out of these two uh, men who were possessed with these demons. And they want Jesus gone. Notice this. In this story, we have demons who violently possess two men. They were deathly afraid of the Son of God. And, and, and so they understood, the demons did, these demons understood knowing that Jesus has absolute authority over them. These demons pleaded for Jesus to cast them into this herd of pigs, and he does. These demons, they hate and they loathe everything about Jesus, but notice what? They're powerless to do anything apart from his permission. Isn't that awesome? 
Satan can do nothing in this world and nothing in your life apart from the sovereign permission of God. Satan is a lion. The Bible plainly, clearly tells us that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 tells us to be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. It's not that we're dismissive of who Satan is. He is a ferocious lion who wants to steal, who wants to kill, who wants to destroy. But know this, he's a lion on a leash. Woo! That sends chills over me. I don't know about you. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Satan can do nothing apart from the permission of God. And God holds the leash here. Demons don't have all authority. Jesus does. Do you see how passages like this encourage us not to fear? We don't have to be afraid of what may happen in this world if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have everything in this world to fear because you have an eternity uh, that you're facing without God forever in a literal fire of flame and hell. Many Christians, though, in this world, uh, uh, in in the midst of this world of pain and and suffering, live in fear and live in anxiety and worry, wondering what's going to happen in this situation or what's going to happen with that situation. And, And know this, there are many kinds of storms that come into our life. There are physical storms. There are mental storms. There are financial storms. There's domestic storms. There's all kinds of other storms that can easily and quickly darken the sky of your life and throw the plane of your life into a tailspin. We've all known those kind of times. And let's be honest and confess, it's much easier to be at rest when our feet are on the ground than when we're up there being tossed around by the storm in life. One thing we need to remember is that on the plane of our life, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God is your pilot. You ever remember those little tags that used to go on people's cars and said, God's my co-pilot? No. He's your pilot. He's not your co-pilot. Co-pilot means you've got some control. You're in control. No, he's he's your pilot. He's in control. And you know where he's taking you? He's taking you home. What a wonderful truth that is for us this morning. Notice again there how that encourages us to not fear. We don't have to be afraid of the many things that may happen in this world because Jesus has authority over it all. Many Christians who are living in the midst of this world of pain and suffering, live in that fear, live in that anxiety, uh, live in those kind of situations. But that's why we have to remember the authority of Jesus. Sometimes we lack even the faith of demons. Did you know that? Because the demons have fear because of their belief. They know who Jesus is and they are scared out of their minds. Notice what the Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 19. Here's James speaking to the church and he says this, You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe, he said, and they shudder, they tremble, they quake. Sometimes we're just the opposite. Oftentimes we have fear 
because of our unbelief. And if we realized what the demons realize, we would know that we don't have any reason to fear. Jesus is the Son of God who has all authority over disease, all authority over disaster, all authority over demons, and nothing can touch us apart from the sovereign power of God and in accordance with His sovereign will. And so as followers of Jesus, we are the most, and ought to be, the most secure people in this world. Because our security isn't based on how big our house is. It's not based on how good our job is or how stable our economy is or or who our president is. We're secure just because we're in the hands of the Almighty One who has all authority in the whole world. And because this one with all authority loves us and he cares for us. Know this, God is committed to providing for us in the middle of the struggles that we have with sin and and demons and natural disasters and various diseases. So look back at the the question uh, of Jesus back in verse 26. Remember when they were out there on the sea and, and they woke Jesus up and they were saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. Notice what he said in verse 26 in this question. Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? How could we not trust a Savior like that? Then notice the question that the demons shouted in verse 29. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now, the demons knew this. The demons knew that there was a day that was coming that they will be fully and finally judged by the Lord and cast out completely. As believers, we look toward the day when Jesus comes again with great anticipation. Think about it. Leprosy that we read about in one miracle. Paralysis in another. Fever in another. Natural disasters in another that we've read about here are all going to be gone. Demons will no longer tempt us. Demons will no longer torment God's people. The authority of Jesus will be fully and finally asserted. His kingdom will come and his will will be done in heaven as it is, on earth as it is in heaven. And all of this is possible. All of this is guaranteed because of what Jesus has done on the cross. That is our great hope. But there's one final point I want you to see in this passage. That not only does Jesus have authority over disasters and demons, we see that he has authority over disciples. So think about this whole chapter here, chapter 8. It's a chapter that's filled with miracles. It's got miracles in verse 1 down through verse 4, another miracle in verse 5 down through verse 13, uh, another miracle that happens there uh, in verse 14 when when Jesus enters Peter's house, heals his mother-in-law, and then you see as you come to verse 18, uh, there's a large crowd that gathers, 
And so then they're out on the sea in verse 23 through verse 27. Jesus calms the storm, another miracle. Then you see again in verse 28 down through verse 34 the demons that he casts out of the two men. Why in the world then is verse 18 through verse 22 found in the middle of all these miracles? Let's look and see what verse 18 through verse 22 has to say to us. Notice here that after chapter 8, verse 1 through 17, about the authority of Jesus over disease, Matthew puts this insert here of these two potential disciples. You can see another passage of it over in Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62, where three men approach Jesus, and they too find out the steep cost that it is to follow Jesus. And when you look at these verses, it's not immediately obvious how does this teaching here on discipleship relate to the, to the message here on healings in the previous section and in the following section. We said Jesus has authority over disease, he has authority over demons, but he also has authority over disciples. Because notice here, Jesus is worthy of unconditional trust. He's worthy of unconditional trust. So this first man comes to Jesus in verse 18 through verse 20. So it says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Now that's a blank check there. that says, I'll go wherever you go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And Jesus says to him, wait a second, have you really counted the cost? Jesus says to him in verse 20, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So this first man comes and he's, he's kind of over eager. But Jesus knows this man hasn't counted the cost here that's involved in discipleship. He discovers Jesus is worthy of unconditional trust. Jesus tells this man that following him is not going to guarantee a roof over your head. In other words, if you follow me, I'm all you got. It doesn't mean you're going to have money in your pocket. It doesn't mean, following me, that you're going to have a roof over your head or even nice clothes on your back. If you follow me, I'm all you've got. And so this potential disciple needs to learn that Jesus is worthy of unconditional trust, even if it means giving up earthly security and comforts. And the same goes for us if we want to follow Jesus. Following Jesus may mean that you lose everything in this world. Jesus is not a means to an end. There are some uh, who, who proclaim that kind of message even in our society today with a health and wealth and prosperity uh, kind of gospel. But Jesus is not a means to an end. The problem is that we shouldn't come to Jesus to get stuff. We come to Jesus to get Jesus. In other words, we may lose everything in this world, but he is enough. Secondly, in this section, notice that Jesus is worthy of our undivided affection. 
He's worthy of undivided affection. So here comes this second potential disciple who needs to learn an equally valuable lesson. We see it in verse 21 and verse 22. So another of the disciples said to him in verse 21, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. So this man says to Jesus, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. What does that mean? What is he saying to Jesus? Does this man want to give uh, his father who's deceased a proper uh, funeral? Or does he want to wait until his father who's alive dies and, and he gets the, his inheritance before he agrees to follow Jesus? Uh, there's a lot of debate about what he means there. But regardless of the precise meaning of the request, Jesus' response is very direct. Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. In either case, no matter what the reason was this man was really asking the question for, what's more important than honoring your father or your mother or receiving an inheritance is following Jesus. That's what matters most. The Savior wants your undivided affection. And so often in this world... Our affections are so divided. We're so half-hearted in our relationship with the Lord. We want to have the world and our relationship with God. And God says you've got to separate yourself from the world. You can't be of the world. You are in the world, but not of the world. And yet we want to have it both ways. And so he is worthy of our undivided affection. But then also Jesus is worthy of total Allegiance. So recognize here Jesus' sovereign authority in the world. It, we've seen that he has authority over disease. He has authority uh, over, over disaster. He has authority over demons. Uh, we see that Jesus' authority in the world ought to lead to giving Jesus our total allegiance in our life. Because his authority isn't something that's to be toyed with or played with. J.C. Ryle once said, nothing, in fact, has done more harm to Christianity than the practice of filling the ranks of Christ's army with every volunteer who's willing to make a little profession. We say something so often with our lips that we never meant in our heart. Remember and know this. Jesus isn't begging for followers in Matthew chapter 8. He's actually turning them away because he deserves unconditional trust. He deserves undivided affection from those who follow him. So when Jesus speaks, how does this passage fit into all this? When Jesus speaks, notice, leprosy obeys. When Jesus speaks, paralysis obeys in, in the centurion's servant. When Jesus speaks, the fever obeys in, in Peter's mother-in-law. Disease obeys Jesus. Disaster obeys Jesus. Did you get the point in the last miracle we read? Even demons obey Jesus. The big question for the day is do you obey Jesus? Do you obey Jesus? Jesus' power and his sovereignty is not simply there to be observed, but it's there to be relied upon and rejoiced in. In light of the realities of Jesus' authority in this passage, here's how we ought to respond in closing. 
trust wholeheartedly in Jesus' authority. Secondly, rest peacefully in Jesus' authority. Submit completely to Jesus' authority and rejoice gladly in Jesus' authority. Why? Because if you know him as Lord and Savior, you are in the hands of the Almighty One who has all authority. And you don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. He will be with you in the midst of the storm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. What an encouraging message for us today that you have reminded us in the midst of all of this that, Lord, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, that we might face in this world or in this life that you don't have authority over. And so, Father, I pray this morning that we have realized that you have all authority over us. You're not going to make us. You're not going to twist our arms. You're not going to force us to walk down this aisle this morning to give our heart and life to Christ. But you're simply standing at the door knocking, waiting for us to open the door for you to come in. And so, Father, I pray this morning that if there are those who are here, those who are watching online, who've never trusted by faith in Christ, never trusted in the one who has all authority, Father, I pray they will call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And Father, I pray that they would cry out to you and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and come into my life and cleanse me with the precious blood of Jesus Christ and help me to live for you all the days of my life. I believe in what Christ did for me on the cross, that he was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. Save my soul and help me to live for you. And Father, if there are those who prayed something like that, help them to have that courage to come this morning, Lord, and to make that public profession of their faith in Christ. Others, Lord, who are here as believers, maybe they're going in the storm, maybe they're in the midst of the storm, or maybe they're coming out of the storm. Whatever the situation is, Lord, for us, I pray that you will help us to, to trust in you and to cry out to you and to call out to you and to trust in you knowing that no matter what this world brings, no matter what our enemy, the devil does, you're still in control. And so we give it all to you. We ask for your will to be done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Brother Mike, come and lead us in our hymn of invitation. As we stand, as we sing, would you make your way and come?
seated for just a moment, brother Stan, come and share our announcements. Before we get started with announcements, I have a praise this morning. We had 14 students in the children's department this morning. They were all well behaved, paid attention, and asked some challenging questions. Thank you, the Millers, but we handled them. Now, Mr. Millie Marie, Miss Millie Marie has an announcement. Come on up, Miss Millie. everyone I'm excited to announce that I'm bringing back this strict ministry to Highland if you aren't familiar from when Highland used to do this it's basically a great way to have some fun with friends make new ones learn coordinated dances and most importantly worship Jesus there is no experience required and if you are fifth grade through a senior in high school girl or boy you should come from four to five in the children's department upstairs to check it out if you have any questions you can come talk to me thank you He's going to try to bring back the sticks ministry. Pastor Matt. Just got word uh, Brother Mike wants to preach next week. So, all right. You got a day off. Congratulations. Hey, uh, sorry about a little mishap this morning. It all worked out, so everything went together. So, hey, this morning, uh, just want to let y'all know real quick uh, April 24th, we're going to have VBS. Uh, training or preview and uh, lunch and so if you are interested in vbs if you've never been a part of doing vbs or you're new to what vbs is this is a great opportunity for you to check it out so april 24th in the fellowship hall we're gonna have a lunch and a preview of what vbs theme is this year and so there's a sign-up sheet by my door on the bulletin board and so and we'll have lunch immediately following the service that sunday and Amanda's going to be sharing kind of what she has going on with uh, VBS and uh, her plans for the theme and a great outreach that we're going to be doing in the community as well. So uh, be there. And also, if you have uh, a v if you're a VBS veteran, you know, come uh, and begin to sign up on what you would like to do in VBS, whether that's try something new this year or stick with the same thing you've been doing. That's awesome as well. So come and be a part of it, and again, just sign up and let us know how many in your family is going to be coming with you. So put your name and next to it, put however many people uh, will be coming, whether that's two, three, or 16. So, so just give us a heads up. Also, parents, coming up April 3rd, if you read your newsletter this past week, I won't ask for a show of hands, but I trust you did. And so you'll be seeing that we are doing, uh, I'm doing another parent uh, training, and I have a video of a study uh, that we'll be doing together, and so that was a little bit of what happened this morning, trying to get that video onto the uh, power presentation. So if you would, check this video out, and if you have more questions, let me know. I want to see them treasure the Lord. I want to see them find their joy and everything in him. I didn't know how to lead them into that. I just felt overwhelmed. The most challenging part of being a single mom is probably being stretched so thin 
There is a lot of give and take when there's not a second parent, and I don't have backup. I sit there and I think that, have I failed my family? Did I not take them to church enough? Did, you know, did I not get them plugged in enough? You know, who's going to influence them? Are they going to stay grounded in the things that we've taught them? Really, I want them to have faith in their life. Maybe that's my job to do so, and I'm going to try my hardest, but I need help. We started getting out of control and just partied and drugged. And what we found out is until you're in this mess, you don't know anything. One of the things I want to implement in my family is just faith. I grew up in a home where going to church and prayer and all those things were just not important. We didn't do those things. No matter what happens in our lives, good or bad, our kids are watching us as we live out our faith. That's why the best gift you can give your children is to create a God-honoring, happy, thriving marriage. A lot of times our friends look the same on the outside. A lot of times they're different on the inside. There's only one way to get to heaven where God is. God's going to come down and he's going to take you up to heaven. The thing about this toothpaste is it's a lot like the words that come out of our mouth. Once we say them, you can't put them back in. Why do we have kids? Why do we go through the difficulties of holding our marriages together? Because God calls us to. Because it pleases him because it's an act of worship, because it represents the gospel to a disbelieving world. It's about so much more than us. When it comes to the gospel, it comes to the things of God, it comes to teaching our children, it will not be a conversation. It's not a, here are the things of God, good luck, have any questions, come back and ask me. It's a diligent day in and day out drawing their attention to the selfishness of their heart and God's love for them despite that selfishness. My prayer is that the gospel take root in your home and that long after you're gone, long after I'm gone, the gospel of Jesus Christ would be centered and central in how our home thinks, talks, and sees, and that one generation would commend his works to the next up until the return of Christ. communication before we go to youth camp together. Do not forget we had Lord's Supper today. The Benevolent Sleep Fund is on both sides. Prayer request. Uh, Keith Williams, he is the grandfather of Kaylee Williams. Kaylee Williams, a special young lady, good friends with Brianna and Millie. I would ask that you keep him in your prayers. Aaron Murray is going to have surgery on April the 6th. I've seen the power of this church's prayer. I'm asking you that y'all pray extra hard on that day for Miss Aaron and Mr. Ben and that entire family as they go through that time of healing together. Just keep them in your prayers. So let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Our most gracious Heavenly Lord, we lift up Keith Williams that you would heal him. We pray for Aaron and Ben as they travel through their journey of healing, dear Lord. Just give them strength and energy. Give this church wisdom, dear Lord, as we support them. Be it those that have lost loved ones, may they be comforted. Be it those that are sick, may they be healed according to your will. Be with our nation, Almighty Lord. Be with our soldiers and airmen that are serving on foreign soils and at home that you'd keep them safe. Be with our church and our leadership of our church. May we be a beacon of light for you in this community. Amen. <laughs> 